0: I want to remind you, sisters and brothers, what we've been doing. So we have a a daily reading that many of us have participated in of Scripture. And so we read anywhere from two to three chapters a day, plus a psalm uh, every single day. And everybody's caught up. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Amen. Praise be to God. That's right. But here's the deal. So what we do is we, we read throughout the week together. In some sense, hopefully in a real sense, too. And then by the time we get here on Sunday morning, the text that we read together is something we've already read. So I'm about to remind you of something that you've already read, something you've already seen for yourself. And so as we've been reading this week, it occurred to me, because we've been reading about some family drama. We've been reading about death. We've been reading about murder. We've been reading some weird and serious kind of stuff, haven't we? And then all of a sudden, as we we read through all of this, we get to a point, and it's like when you're watching a movie. I don't know about you, but I'll just confess myself here. You're watching a movie, and it's the first few minutes. You're going through it, and all of a sudden, somebody breaks out into a song. You're like, oh, this ain't no movie. This is a musical. (laughs) So we've gone through all of this stuff in Genesis and Exodus so far, and then all of a sudden, everything breaks. And Moses and the people break out into song. Now, to be clear, this isn't just about music, although music is an important thing. It's been said once, music is the soul, is to the soul what words are to the mind, and that music is the universal language of humanity. Amen? Many of us understand that and appreciate that. But I want to suggest to you this morning that this is not just a song of Moses. That Francis didn't just read to us the words to a poem that are just a song. I want you to be able to appreciate. This is not a song. This is the worship of the people. This is the worship of the people of God that God has just saved. And it's the first time in scripture that we have this kind of glimpse of the part of the worship of the people. So far we've read about people who bow down before God. They, they put their face to the ground. They've cried out even. But this is the first time, musically at least, we see that worship come, can come from a, a place of song and a place of music. And I think what it does well to remind us is that when we experience the power of God, our response to God is not just music, it's worship when we experience the power, the love, and the grace of God, how do we respond? Worship. Worship. And here's why. So God hears the cry of the, of the Hebrew people. He hears their cry in, in, in suffering, and he, he calls Moses. Right? And he tells Moses that you're going you're to go, Moses, to the people, and you're going to tell them that uh, I'm leading you to lead them out. Then you're going to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, right? No big deal, right? And then Moses starts thinking, the last time I was in Egypt, well, we didn't leave on good terms, right? You remember what happened to Moses when he left Egypt? Uh, He just killed a man and fled for his life, right? And so he begins to think, man, the last time I was there, I didn't leave on good terms. Oh, people are going to go. They're going to wonder what I'm doing back. Maybe they're going to want to try to do something to me. You know what, guy? I think you have the wrong person. All right? I think maybe you're mistaken, creator of the universe. Maybe you don't quite know who I am. So Moses says, okay, well, let's just say I go. Don't you think the people are going to want to know who sent me? And if they ask me, who sent you, what should I tell them your name is? Now, we may see that part and think, well, okay, yeah, what's God's name? But that's because we don't understand the significance of this. That God is about to reveal his name to Moses. So think of it this way. When you know someone's name, you have a strong connection to them. Let me demonstrate this way. So, a young couple comes up here, or an older couple, whatever, they come up and they want to get married, right? We don't just say, hey, woman, will you take this man? Hey, 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 um, husband, will you take this wife? There's a part of that, right? But this there's a part where we, we say, what? what? What do we say? Right, and so I, I, we make them say each other's name, right? Why? You make sure you got the right one. <laughs> you see, that's a part of it. Because you don't want them to say, you know, I take you, wife, and then to be able to say, well, that's a wife too, and that's a wife, and, oh, that's a husband, right? So you got the right one. Because when you have the name, you have a connection. What you're saying is, you, name, are mine. And I yours. And so the fact that God would say, Moses, you want to tell them who sent you? I'm about to tell you. Because I want you to know me. I need you to to, to understand that, to, to repeat that in your mind. This God wants us to know him. Interestingly enough, Moses never repeats the name to the people. If you read through the text again, he never says, hey, I am who I am, said, here I am. He, he just tells the people that the God of our ancestors has sent me. He doesn't repeat this name again. Really interesting, actually, we don't know, like, you know how to say John, right? John, you know, probably anybody ever named John probably think, that's got to be the most boring name on the planet, right? John. I had a teacher once who couldn't even say John, she would say, John, hey, John. But we don't even know how to pronounce the name of God. Because the people figured out, this name is so holy. The fact that God was willing to tell us his name is so powerful. We don't ever want to mess up the name. So we, we, we wouldn't even be able to recognize the name if we were to hear it. We don't know what the, the sound is like. Because what the people did says, you know what, we don't even want to try to pronounce the name. So we're going to start saying Adonai. Now, you've heard that title before, Adonai. That's when people see the name of God, the holy name of God. They say, I don't even want the words. I don't want the sounds to try to come out of my mouth. Instead of saying that word, I'm going to say Adonai, which means Lord. Because that's how powerful and sacred this name is. And God wanted us to know his name. Now, you need to think about what kind of guy that is. Because as we've been paying attention in Egypt, we have these other gods. They don't want you to know who they are, other than that they're over you. That's about as much as you need to know about them. But our God says, I know you, and I want you to know me. Amen?
1: Amen.
0: Jeez, people wake up. God says, I am. That's my name. That sounds weird to us, right? I am. What does that mean? I don't know, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. It's been translated in other ways. It means that I will be what I will be. I will always be that. Or we don't quite know for sure, but what we do know is that in God's name, we have the deep and everlasting truth of who God is. I think we've said before that in Scripture, as we, we go through, names have meaning, right? And I like to use the example of, uh, of Jacob and his brother. When they're born... Uh, Isaac, uh, Isaac. Um, um, you all read, what's his name? Esau, very good, thank you. Uh, his name literally means Harry. Now, if you read the story, that actually has a part of the story, right? And then Jacob's name means grabber. Literally means grabber. So if you read through the whole story, you realize, oh, that makes sense. He's always grabbing on stuff that don't belong to him. So these names mean something. So when God tells us his name, and when his name is, I am, that means something for us. Just remember. It means that who God is, God will always be. That means what God is, God will always be. So that means the the, the power that we have come to know of God, God will always be. The love that we have come to know in God, God will always be. And that even though we got to a point where we said, oh, we can't even say the name. We don't even want to try. That's us trying to be respectful and honorable to that name. But God wanted us to know that name because that's how much God loves us. Some of y'all get me. And so God tells Moses, you tell him, I am sent you. And so what does Moses do? He goes and says, all right, look, um, God, my ancestor says it's time for us to go. I'm going to go tell Pharaoh, so you guys get yourselves ready, and we're going we're gonna to go. It's time for us to leave. And, of course, there's a lot more to it than that. There's these plagues and everything else that uh, Moses tells Pharaoh about, Aaron tells Pharaoh about, that they experience all these plagues, all these crazy things happen, But something even crazier happened. God does what God said he was going to do. And the people walk across dry ground. The people are saved from Pharaoh. The people are brought out of oppression. The people are brought into a new life when they crossed that sea. Why do you think we Why do you think we use water so much? Why is water such a powerful image for us? You know, we're baptized into water. And part of what we are remembering is that that water frees us. And so the people walked across cool, the Red Sea, the red carpet. And they looked back at the life that they had before. And you want to know what the first thing is that they did? You read it. They worshiped. They worshiped. They sang a song. And as you read, it's kind of a long song. They stood on the other side of that water and they looked at everything that God had saved them from and they said, praise God. And they didn't just say, thank you, Jesus. They said, look what God has done. Pharaoh tried to hold us back. We had a life that was over there that wasn't the way it was intended to be. Look at everything God has done. And they went on and they named every way that God had delivered them. Now let me ask you a question, sisters and brothers. How quiet do you think it was that day?
1: You think everybody sat down in their pew, they're like...
0: Yeah, you're right, Moses. So give me a few seconds to think about this. What happened to us? When did worship just become about coming to a place and sitting down?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if you go back about a thousand or so years, even longer than that, church will look a lot different. First of all, it wouldn't be in a building like this. It'd be in somebody's house. But even when it started going into buildings, you know, and not about music. People, the first thing they say, "Well, the music was different." Well, okay, the music would have been different. But you know what else would have been different? You don't have pews. You look at any, you look at any uh, uh, drawing, illustration of of uh, some kind of worship space from thousands of years ago. These are these are foreign objects, because when we came to worship. We didn't come to sit down. This was a place where we came and you would stand up. You would walk around. You would say, yes, God, you've done this for me. Or if you needed to have a a time where you just, you, you wanted to just bow down, you'd come over here maybe. And you'd pray to yourself. You take as much time as you needed to say, thank you, God, for loving a sinner like me. And then once you felt that, that power of God, maybe you come over here with the rest of everybody else. You say, now what are we celebrating? Y'all with me? So let's just get rid of the pews right now. Oh, we can say amen unless it gets serious. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. What, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get you to understand and appreciate it. I'm not saying we've got to get rid of pews. Maybe. I'm not saying we got to get rid of pews. But here's what I want to remind you of. Something that God repeats as, 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 as he's directing Moses to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh to let the people go. The, the reason why God tells Pharaoh to let my people go. Any of you who are reading, do you remember what that reason is? I'm sorry? God had heard their cry. You're right. But God was telling Pharaoh, you let my people go so they can do something. Worship. Y'all with me? So God is saying, I want you to be free so that you can worship. The first thing that people did when they crossed... They didn't sit down and go to a worship service. They were finally free to worship. Now I understand that there's different times and kinds of worship. Don't don't misunderstand me. But what I'm suggesting is that maybe, maybe we don't understand just how free we we've, we've been made. And we don't have anybody named Pharaoh over us anymore. Oh, but we are still bound. Some of us are bound by a job that doesn't let us worship with our church. Some of us are are bound by a desire to make more and more and more and more and more. Some of us are, are bound by our schedule or our calendars. Some of us some of us are bound by our burdens themselves. See, we we don't have pharaoh problems anymore, but we're still we're still burdened. Some of us, it's money. Well, that money's weighing in on us, man. How is it not enough? What is it at the, at the end of the month? Not enough? Not enough check for the end of the month, right? <laughs> man, that's all right. And what we don't recognize is God says, "I want to be able." To take you from that place to this place. That's what God wants for us. I don't know what you've heard about God before. I don't know what you've thought about God. You know, we've come through the last, last several generations where we've, we've, we've told our children. We've taught our children that when we come to church, what do you do? You sit down and you be quiet. I think that breaks the heart of God. Because I don't think there was a silent child on the other side of that sea. I don't think there was an adult among the people who could keep from singing praise to God. Because they understood that they were... This is, brothers, so here's what I want you to do. When you feel the oppression again of, of whatever's trying to hold you back, whatever your Pharaoh is today, I, 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 what I want you to do is to remember
1: who God told you he was.
0: Who did God say he was? I am. One way I've heard that uh, described for us is, you know, sometimes, sometimes in our struggles, sometimes in our burdens, we need a bridge so that we can get across. You know what God says? I am that bridge. Sometimes we need a light just so that we can understand and make sense of all the things around us. You know who, what God says he is? I am a light. Sometimes we feel like we just need something to, to pick us up we're, we're so beaten down. We are so left for dead. And you know who God says he is? I am somebody who will pick you up. That's who God says he is and who he will
1: always be.
0: Y'all with me now? Amen. Jesus caught on to this. Jesus said some of this in the book of John. You know that great book of John, my favorite book of the Bible, amen. Jesus picks up on this and I think... I think as we read these I am statements of, uh, of Jesus, we're supposed to go back to Moses meeting God in the burning bush. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am all these things because these are all the things that you need. I am what you need. And I haven't left you to figure it out all by yourself. I've brought you to the other side so that you can be free to have the life I want you to have. You see, when Moses and the people crossed over, they, they said something that just strikes me before, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors. And yes, that that phrase will get repeated in other parts of Scripture, but it just strikes me that now that they're on the other side and they're remembering all the things that God has done for them, Moses and all the people, they say, This is my God. This is my strength. This is my might and God is my salvation. I want to suggest to you that the church is full of a lot of people who've heard about God but don't know nothing about their God. And that maybe it's time to to take to take a walk with God. To take a walk across the sea again and to look back and know that that's what was back there, but God has brought you here. And since we're here, we might as well worship. So every time God shows you who He is, every time God delivers you, every time God shows you something important, every time God blesses you, worship. I don't care if you're in here. I don't care if you're at work. Can you imagine what happens if you're at work? You know, you're sitting there doing your stuff on your computer, and I don't know. I don't you get an email from somebody, right? And, and maybe it's about, I
1: don't know, uh,
0: some big account, or maybe it's somebody from a family, or you know, they've been talking about something, and, and, and it's an answer to prayer. You get that email, answer to prayer. Oh! Can you imagine what your office workers would think of you? But you know what? When you're free to worship, I'm not going to be bound by what somebody else thinks about me because I've been freed to worship. We have been freed to worship. Man, I should ask you all to stand up and change seats. I wonder what you would do. (laughs) Sisters and brothers, here's all I want you to remember. I can't remember anything else. This so is all I want you to remember. We were over here. And God walked with us over here and made us free to worship. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thanks be to God.